What's up and welcome to the Single Player Experience. I'm your host Sebastian Malton and today we're talking about whether or not 2022 was a good year for single player gamers. I say we because for a topic this big I had to call in some backup. My guest today is the one and only Tega. Tega is a dope content creator who has a video game review channel. He's also a gamer who specializes in single player games. In this episode, Tega is going to give us his top five single player games of 2022 that he recommends, and we're going to discuss whether or not this was indeed a good year for single player gamers. We got all this and more coming at you right after the intro. DJ, hit the beat. This is the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single-player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single-player experience. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, cut the beat. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, like I said in the intro, we have a very special guest joining us today. He has a dope YouTube channel where he reviews all the latest and greatest video games. He is a lifelong gamer, and he's just one of the people I talk to about video games. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a single-player sensei. He is the one, the only, Tega. Tega, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, man. That's such a great intro. I appreciate you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So before we begin, so that the people can get to know you, or for those people who haven't gotten to know you yet, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes. So once again, I am Tega. I am a husband, gamer, content creator, and tech enthusiast. Okay. Okay. So Tega, what do you like to play on? What console is your primary gaming machine? Uh, so the PS5 has all of my attention right now, but I have all the current consoles. So that includes the Series S. I have the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I'm on PC as well, so I use the Steam Deck. I had that for a couple months. Have my own PC that I've built. And I'm also in VR, so catch me on the Quest 2. Okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. So I have a segment that I like to do with all my first-time guests. I like to ask them the hardest question a gamer can possibly be asked so, Tega, what are your top five games of all time? Mm, so, I have to start <laughs> off with, <laughs> let's go Metal Gear Solid 2, Love, Jack, and Dexter, The Witcher 3, for sure, Assassin's Creed 2, and Mass Effect 2. I'm, I'm seeing a little trend here with all these twos here. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the good sequels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to think that might be the favorite number as well. <laughs> so all right so we got your top five games of all time no hesitation i like that you went straight for the throat like you just you automatically knew it you just put it all out there out of those top five though i mean which one do you normally go back and play the most um let's see i think i may give this to the witcher 3 i think i've probably gone back and played it every single year since its release. <laughs> so it's become sort of a annual thing for me. So as of this recording, the the next-gen update isn't quite out yet. It's about to be out in a couple of days. Are you excited to jump into it? Oh, for sure. I, <laughs> so I actually, um, I stopped my 
annual playthrough this year just because there's there's been news about it being a remaster. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, I, I, hopefully it comes out like in the summer or, you know, in the fall. And we're getting it towards the end of the year, which I'm fine with, but some stuff's going to have to get put on pause. I got to go through it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Love that game. That's amazing. That is like, and that's one of my like, black eyes of gaming because I have never gotten past like the intro like three hours of that game and well, that's for me yeah I know <laughs> I, I know I, I need to be just taken outside of the street and beat because <laughs> I I know the greatness there but like the the next gen update is my chance to to redeem that because like I I completely chant like I completely intend to give that another try completely intend to like go back and basically be Gerald of Rivia and, and mow down my enemies. So I plan on redeeming myself. Honestly, I don't knock you for it. The small amount of people that I did talk to that haven't played it, I think their main gripe is that they don't know much about the lore of the Witchers. So it kind of it's, it's kind of intimidating for them to hop in. So um, and then on top of that, when they start to play, some people made the complaint about the interface or just how to navigate throughout the menus can be kind of tedious. So it kind of throws people off until you get used to it. But I think that's probably like the only two major cons to it. But when it comes to the Witcher franchise, they do a really good job in the intro of trying to catch you up on the past events of the last two games. So I don't think you necessarily need to go back and play them. Like if you want to go back and play them, you know, play the second one because the first one was kind of outdated, which, I, which is why I'm glad that they're going to remake it so people can experience it. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely trying to play Witch 3 this time around. Man, I'm, I'm definitely going to dive into it, especially with like all the, I've finally gotten past where all the major releases, I've played most of the, all the major releases of the fall and of the, like of the holiday season. So now I have the time to like kind of catch up on my game of the year contenders and kind of catch up on some of the games I missed throughout the year. So you know, I have a little gap in the schedule that I think I'm going to give to The Witcher 3 and see if it can really connect with me this time around. Nice, nice. Yeah, so, you know, we talked about, like, who you are as a gamer and your top five games of all time, but let's talk about the topic of the show. So, T, you got to give me an answer here. Like, was 2022 a good year for single-player gamers? What? Absolutely. In my opinion, <laughs> I only say this, the only little wrench I want to throw in. If you're a particular single player gamer that may only pay attention to like the bigger releases, you may think it was kind of kind of short. But if you're like into smaller studios and indie games and stuff like that, oh, I feel like we've had a ton of those this year, more so than the multiplayer games, if I'm being honest. But Short answer, yes. I feel like there's tons of games that we can play this year that we can talk about. I, I'm right there with you because I, on the multiplayer side of the fence, I don't think there was a breakout title like there has been in the last like two years. Because in mm -hmm. the last two years, like you had your breakout successes, like your Among Us of the world where it just like swept the world and everyone and their mom seemed to be playing that game. Or like, what is the game I'm thinking of with like the beanbag guys where they're they're jumping through the obstacle course? Fall Guys. Fall Guys, thank you. Like <laughs> You can tell I'm not the biggest multiplayer gamer, everyone. But like, well, Fall Guys and, and Among Us basically came out and they like took over the world, so to speak. But I don't remember a game doing that, at least a multiplayer game doing that in 2022. Do you? No, nah, nothing really comes to mind. Like most of the 
you know, prominent multiplayer games that came out that most people play. It's kind of like most people feel like, oh, it's just another entry, you know, like the Call of Duties and Overwatches. Yeah, Overwatch 2 and all that. I don't think a lot of people have been really crazy about it. They're just kind of, you know, just playing it because it's the next big thing that they can get their hands on. But I haven't heard anything break out about them yet. No, I haven't either. I haven't either. But on the single player side of the fence, the reason why I asked this question is because like, I think there's a little debate here, especially on the higher tier side, because we did get a lot of good single player games, but we also got a lot of disappointments in this year. I mean, if you look at like what you got Saints Row, I mean, for mm. for better or for worse, I enjoyed my time with Saints Row, but I acknowledge that it's not I don't think it's a good game. I think it's enjoyable in parts, but I don't think like I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend Saints Row to anyone. Would you? Uh, no, not at all. And that's pretty much the ending of my YouTube video because I did do a review on Saints Row and I pretty much told everyone to wait to a significant, you know, um, price drop, you know, maybe something around 30 bucks, maybe 40, but I wouldn't recommend it at full price. Not at all. Well, what about Gotham Knights? Have you played that one? So I haven't played Gotham Knights. However, I think it received better than Saints Row for sure. Cause I there's a small, there's a small group of people that I know that that played the co-op aspect of it and they were kind of satisfied. A lot of people said the story kind of picks up at certain places and drops off. But uh I just kind of avoided it because it looked like the main focus was like the co-op. And you know, with not really uh playing too many multiplayer games this year, I kind of skipped out on it. I so like in my review of of both Saints Row and Gotham Knights, I felt like both games were games that didn't really have a core identity, and I felt like both games were games that didn't necessarily feel like they were ready, like they came out of the oven too early, yeah, so to speak. With Gotham Knights, I feel like it lacked an identity as far as like which direction it really wanted to go in. Did it want to be a single player game or did it want to be a multiplayer games as a service game? And I feel like it lacked that direction. Mm, yeah, that makes perfect sense. What well, was the co-op kind of buggy or glitchy or anything like that? I mean, the co-op was the co-op, but I think like, I think when my experience with it is that, you know, like I don't think the co-op did anything to amplify the gameplay as opposed to like, you being able to rush through the game really quickly with a person as opposed to you having to kind of grind a little bit with a by yourself. Gotcha. But yeah, but like the story, I mean, I think the story wasn't necessarily like a premiere, a premiere like Batman-esque kind of story. You know, it's mostly like centered around the, you know, like the main antagonist. I won't spoil it for pe the people who haven't like actually played it, but I feel like even like the anthology or the mythos of Batman is like lacking here, not because Bruce isn't in it, but because like they take so much liberties with the story that we know and love or the characters that we know and love in Batman. Like the man bat, for instance, is a completely different person. Right. And the fact that, you know, like they took so many liberties with the characters, it's I get it. They were trying to make their own thing. But I, at the same point, too, it felt like they were missing a identity, so to speak. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, we had a couple of disappointments. Um, Crossfire X was another disappointment this year for single player gamers. For sure. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because it just came and went. Like, you saying that name 
I thought it came out last year. That's <laughs> that's how much it just kind of like fell to the background. But there were definitely high hopes for Crossfire and it did not deliver. Yeah, I and I think that's the weird thing. Like, and then you also have like Pokemon, like Pokemon Arceus and Pokemon like Violet and Scarlet, which are successful games, but I would argue are the most buggy games that I've ever seen in the Pokemon franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've played through Arceus and currently playing Violet. And yeah, Violet and Scarlet is in the buggy state right now. Still having fun with it for sure with the core gameplay, but you can just tell that that open world formula they're still trying to master. And those are two other games that should have stayed inside the oven a little bit longer. I still think Arceus runs a lot better than Scarlet and Violet. But yeah, yeah, I'm just going through the motions. I'm glad that they acknowledge that it's in a weird state and they're going to be working on patches. But that's just so weird for, you know, Game Freak to say that out of any studio because most Pokemon games comes out fairly polished, honestly. I wonder, though, is this a sign of things to come, though? And if they really are going to go back and polish that game, because you don't sell two, 10 million, like, million units of a copy and then kind of go backwards, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Because it's like, yeah, we, we got our money and that's showing that people are playing it and giving it a chance. So it may seem like they can take their time with the patches because... Let's face it, Pokemon fans, we definitely are going to grab it and play it and give our opinions on it for sure. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think anyone second guesses a, pro, a Pokemon purchase. It's just that franchise that that's going to take the cake every single time. I'm almost to the point to where I don't necessarily know if I don't I don't know what to expect for the next entry of Pokemon. Like, do I expect a high level of quality that we've gotten in the past with the games, or does Arceus and like Violet and Scarlet indicate like a new era of like you're just like everyone else now like you're fallible like everyone else that releases a game and then we expect a patch later right and I, I kind of hate that that's kind of like the route they go now because I feel like certain studios may feel like they can just put out any type of game in any state with the promise of it going to be fixed in the future and I feel like that's where we vote with our pockets. And I feel like gaming is one of those few communities that our voice does matter. Because when we complain, oh, they see it. And they're going to come out with a statement at least later that day or within the week. So I'm glad that we do have a voice in gaming and we can vote with our with our wallets. And we just have to be diligent and call them out on their BS whenever we see it. And not we, just back them because, you know, those are our favorite franchises and whatnot. We do, we do. And I think the last statement you just said that we back them because they're our favorite franchise. And I think that's a part of the problem with the industry right now, not to get off like super off the topic of the show, but like Pokemon, I almost feel like it's in the past right now because like mm -hmm. Pokemon came out and for me, I've had several crashes with the game. I've had the fact that like the Pokemon would go underneath the surface of like of like the area that I'm at. So I'm like... Mm -hmm. If I was using Dig Attack, that would be common. You know, like I would expect that. <laughs> but I'm not using the Dig Attack. I've had the the bug where like the the Pokemon that I'm riding is is like through my body, so to speak, to where it looks like he's impaling me versus me riding on him. I'm like, so <laughs> I yeah, it's I like I always want to be fair to like gamers. I know this is like and developers, this is probably the hardest time to develop a game in history of gaming, but like 
we completely crucified uh, like games that came out like just as buggy as this like cyberpunk got like absolutely blasted into the streets <laughs> for being just as buggy as this game for sure and i feel like pokemon's kind of getting up a little bit of a pass here yeah they are i i definitely admit because you know just you know talking to other fans or people that's going to pick up the game a lot of people pre-order pokemon and that's usually the you know, the general case that people are going to pre-order it because, I mean, it's Pokemon and that's just how people feel. So when it came out in that state, it kind of shocked everybody. And even though that we uh, that a lot of people complained online, people are still playing, being active, joining those those raids and, you know, all of that stuff. So they are definitely getting a pass. And yeah, I just, I really hope that, you know, the... Everything that we are saying, all the feedback, I hope they're taking it into consideration and making the most positive game as possible. But, you know, money talks. So if everyone is still buying the same game, they, they're still, if they still have the same numbers throughout the week as far as like, you know, activity and hours play, et cetera. It's going to give them that little, that little safety net. It's like, okay, well, they're still playing. So we can just polish this, you know, within two years like we put out a small patch here small patch in early 2023 stuff like that so it's just we have to stay on top of them uh giving them feedback posting those clips of what we we're experiencing and hopefully they they listen but i have noticed like nintendo it's probably one of the harder companies to crack when it comes to being vocal oh yeah I feel like yes yeah, like stateside most of those, like they're they're pretty they're pretty active online, but Nintendo is like really secretive when it comes to, you know, development Easter eggs and just those smaller conversations that we can kind of get inside our interviews. They don't really participate in a lot of that stuff, so they may be a harder cookie to crack. But I think we can do it though. I like your optimism there because, like, I don't necessarily know if you know, like, if Nintendo's like more malleable to the social discourse that is like social media than other companies are. Because, mm-hmm. like, people have been complaining about Nintendo's online service for years. I'm talking oh, about, yeah. like, absolutely years. That's People have been complaining about the Switch being underpowered for a very long time. Like, mm-hmm. people have been complaining about a lot of aspects about, like, the way Nintendo does business. The fact that, like, games are still heavily priced and, and at the same price as their release price for the vast majority of their lifespan, even after a game has been released four years, five years, like it is Nintendo has been very rigid in in the fact that they don't really change very much, despite the social outcry and discourse. Like they are like firmly planted 10 toes deep into, yeah. into whatever <laughs> they want to do, you know? Yep, yep. And that's why I say like, you know, hopefully our our cries and plea for help are <laughs> are been attended to. Yeah, it's they're just one of those harder companies, man. And if they really, really care about the Pokemon franchise, I really hope that we get some significant patches within these next couple months because this may have been one of the bigger topics for Nintendo for a while when it comes to the Pokemon games. I don't think I've heard any any real cries like this other than, you know, how to balance Pokemon, even though it's like a thousand and <laughs> two yeah. million Pokemon. So other than those usual cries. You know, we, we could talk about that all day as far as the competitive aspect, blah, blah, blah. But as far as it being in a rough technical state, 
I really feel like they should pay attention to this because this could make or break some sales if they come out with a new entry and it still has the open real aspect and it looks like they haven't mastered it yet. Uh, we may see a difference in numbers for sure. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk about another game that came out this year that it's not necessarily a buggy game like all the rest of the games we mentioned, but it did just come out and just blow into the wind and never to be heard of again. And that's Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm. Ghostwire Tokyo was a game that came out this year, by the way. Like, this was a 2022 game. And after, like, two weeks of this game being launched earlier this year, I didn't hear a damn thing about it. I mean, did you feel the same way? I feel the same way. And it was actually kind of sad because I was looking forward to Ghostwire. And the more gameplay reveals that we got in trailers, I just kind of noticed, like, running around, it wasn't that much activity within the city. I mean, you know... Of, of course, with the premise of the game, I get why the city would be vacant, but I just feel like the aesthetic was nice, but the game didn't really feel lived in, you know? Yeah. And I, I think it kind of lost its identity along the way because most people that played it complained that a lot of the objective and side quests were really like rinse and repeat, and there was no real payoff from it. Some people just got the abilities that they really wanted and they just stuck with that instead of experimenting, uh, experimenting with other abilities. So I think they lost a couple points there too. But overall, I just really feel like they should have put way more into the cities, at least like make some more buildings interactable or, you know, just have someone on the street with some dialogue, something. But I just feel like people got bored after those first three or four hours and they they felt like they've seen everything that the game had to offer and they wasn't really invested into the story. Yes, I completely agree with you. Like everything you said, I think is on point. And I think it's the narrative of Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, like at least the social narrative that is. But like, I don't necessarily, I think that makes the point of the question though. Like we saw so many flops this year and so many games that came out in a either broken state or so many games to where it just came out and just kind of got left behind and no one ever talked about it. Like, I wonder, though, like, how is this year going to stack up compared to other years of the past? Like for single player gamers, you know, like for single player games, like how does 2022 look in comparison to like some of those others? Because we did get some really good highs. Like, don't get me wrong. We did get like the Elden Rings, the God of War Ragnaroks on the Nintendo side of things. We got Kirby and we got Xenoblade on on PlayStation. We also got like Sifu and Horizon for Ben West and of course God of War. Xbox, you know, I was going to pause there for dramatic effect, but we didn't get jack shit. But womp womp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we didn't get jack shit from Xbox this year. But we did get a lot of cool things on, on Game Pass to, you know, to give them credit for that. But like, I, so I think that's why I asked the question. I'm like, was this a really like, was it a good year? Was it just an okay year? Do you feel like the high, like we only got some major highs, but like some of the middle ground kind of felt empty? Like what was your feeling about the whole year of 2022 as a, for a single player gamer? So I feel like we did get a bunch of flops and I feel like it feels, it feels so significant because they were from the major studios, but like some of the game you've mentioned, we had some of those smaller big hits like, you know, Sifu and Stray and um, what's the other one I'm thinking about? Oh, Tunic. Yeah, Tunic yeah. Got some pretty good reviews too and they came out earlier throughout the year. So I did, I do feel like we got some pretty, pretty nice hits. Even these, um, 
out of nowhere games like uh, the newer Need for Speed Unbound. Well, I've been hearing a decent amount of praise from that game as well. And I have heard nothing too crazy about Callisto Protocol. I've, I've heard complaints about like the dodge system and, you know, things like that. But for the most part, we've got some pretty big hits on top of some okay hits that people can still find fun inside of. But yeah, we were definitely let down by some of these bigger companies for sure. Yeah, like I, I think that you mentioned Tunic, you know, like you mentioned some of the indies that kind of carried us. And I think like, I think there's a strong argument or a strong debate on whether like, the AAA side of the fence, like the big pillars of the, you know, the big AAA companies, they kind of were like carried by like a couple of big games. And then the indie games carried us through the rest of the year. Like you had your games like Tunic, you had your games like Stray, like Cult of the Lamb, um, mm-hmm. Vampire Survivors. And, like a Plague Tale. Plague Tale, yeah. Like these yeah. <laughs> indie games and these indie studios kind of carried us through like a very quiet year for AAA games, whether it be because like AAA games came and disappointed us as a as a whole, or it be because like they either didn't get come out and got pushed the next year, or because like we were very top heavy with God of War Ragnarok and you know God of War Ragnarok and a and Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like a couple other ones, um, like the Quarry. That was oh, that's a good shout that, out. That was a pretty good one. A lot of people were happy about the Lego Star Wars. I, I've heard people rave about <laughs> Skywalker Saga. <laughs> so that one is definitely on my backlog. And I'm happy that it did hit Game Pass. So mm-hmm. even though, you know, Xbox didn't come out with a lot, but but the Game Pass has been phenomenal for a lot of people. That's kind of, you know, they don't want to waste that 60 years, you know, just hoping it's a good game instead of just paying a monthly fee and getting a whole bunch of great games to be played in the past along with a couple new ones that may hit them day one so yeah game pass has been carrying my series s honestly and i think that's one of the bigger reasons why i grabbed that console just because of the strength of the game pass and yeah with all these companies that they bought and you know hopefully we start to see more of like starfield and redfall and uh, as hell to scrolls whenever that comes out but (laughs) Fable, uh, they got the other game, Avowed. That, Avowed, um, that's a good going to be Xbox exclusive. So, yeah, they're definitely taking the back seat on the exclusives right now. But I, I am very optimistic and hopeful that those games are a hit. I like your optimism there. I find it infectious. But, like, a part of me, the scenic part of me is, like, I am so scared about Starfield. Oh, don't get me wrong. I have, I have my insecurities. just just the company's reputation of having these crazy buggy games it seems like that that's a part of their identity now and i think people overlook them a lot too when it comes to you know game breaking stuff but i feel like those glitches were way more hilarious when it comes to like skyrim and all that so people just kind of made of a part a part of a culture of Mm -hmm. them having uh, glitches but i don't want them to slack off because they have that that safety net of people kind of dealing with it. So with all these years they have put to the side, I know they can never knock Skyrim's popularity off. And I don't want them to focus on trying to beat Skyrim. I just want it to have its own identity. I'm right there with you. I think the thing that scares me most about like Starfield is the fact that it does look like it is just the same engine as Skyrim and Fallout to where like it's a Todd Howard engine to where like 
it doesn't scream next gen to me. Like it doesn't scream like it screams Fallout and Skyrim. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing for the people who really enjoy those games. I'm among them, but like I don't look at that and think to myself, I'm like, this is where the next wave of gaming should go. Like that looks to me like, oh, that is like the same system we played about 10 years ago. And ever since then, we've gotten a complete new system in God of War. We've gotten a completely new way of playing games with Horizon Forbidden West. We got Ghost of Tsushima. Like um, we've gotten in Breath of the Wild. Like we've gotten so many bangers since then that showed us a different way of playing games that, you know, like I'm not to dog Bethesda or anything like that, but like I do look at that like engine and the way that Starfield looked at that in like opening trailer and I wasn't wild. Were you? No, I wasn't. My my main uh, reason for anticipating it is just because I want to see how vast they go with this lore since it's a new IP. Mm-hmm. I'm really waiting for them to kind of reestablish it and how deep is the conversation tree is going to go to, you know, enriching my experience. That's where my focus is. Definitely the fun factor. And I don't want them to go too big because the biggest thing for me is they claim that they're going to have tons of plants to explore. Are these going to be you know, empty just planets, like, basically. Yeah, like empty planets. Is it going to be just randomized where you go to like some unknown planet and it's just like a, pretty much like a rehash of their assets and everything? Like it may look the same as a previous planet, but this house is in this area now. Like <laughs> I don't want it to be that generic to where we just hop on a planet and there's nothing to do. It's just really big. You may find a couple collectibles and that's it. So how vast are these planets and how, you know, in detail they are because I would actually like them to go the route of the Outer Worlds. Oh, that's a good uh, example. What uh, Obsidian did. Mm-hmm. It was open world for the most part, but there were a lot of really mini maps with inside of those planets. And I really feel like they were lived in. Everyone had side quests that felt meaningful to the story. And if Starfield is kind of like that to where we drop on a planet and it's really condensed and lived in, I think that can be a huge pro especially with the type of finances they have in the backing, if they can just take those meaningful stories and everything like how we have those memorable quests in Skyrim and everything like that and just drop them into those planets, it can be a banger. But, you know, it it just really, it really depends on the type of time they've had setting those things up. I want them to focus more on the story versus just making this game is as big as possible. Like, I know we have the vast space to explore, but I just don't want it to be filled with nothing. It's going to take me 20 minutes to fly to a planet and do nothing. And then I have to fast travel back somewhere else. I just, I, I don't want that feeling. I understand. I'd rather have quality rather than like the quantity of visiting like endless amount of worlds. Like, I don't want this. And this isn't a dog against the game. Like, I don't want this to be No Man's Sky. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a good example. Yeah. Like I am, I don't want this to be No Man's Sky. I do want this to be more like Outer Worlds. I do want this to be more like, in a way, like Mass Effect. But even Mass Effect had its problems to where like you would visit a planet and there would only be like one thing to do on that planet, you know? Mm, yep. So, so I'm like, I, I want there to be a nice balance of like, if you're introducing all of these worlds, make us do something meaningful on those worlds. Like give us story content or side content, like reason to be on those worlds. Yeah, for sure. And I'm very intrigued about Starfield's system of like building your own like spacecraft and everything like that. So I'm wondering how fun that's going to be because it kind of looks like 
the home settlement system, kind of like in Fallout 4. That's exactly um, what it reminds yeah, me of. Yeah, that's, that's the first thing I thought about when I saw it. So, you know, as long as knowing this coming up every two seconds acts and, you know, another um, <laughs> Starfield <laughs> citizen needs your help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as there's nothing repetitive like that, we should be fine. Just, you know, build upon that and seeing how depth like your crew are like, you know, the people on your, on your actual like start, like Starcraft, like... Are we going to be able to engage with them, form meaningful relationships? How are they just going to be like generic soldiers walking around your spaceship and, you know, things like that. So as long as those little small attention to details are like precise and really meaningful, I feel like it has the potential to do good. But it's not a good, they didn't leave off on a good note telling us that they have hundreds of plans to, to explore. Because like to the average gamer you know that's 20 something years old they have to go to work and uh, we don't have we don't have time to explore 200 planets (laughs) so so definitely need to condense that number and seeing what those planets have to offer you know it could it could have the potential to be good but uh it's kind of shaky it's kind of shaky it really is it really is so going back to the topic of the show though i want to ask you a question like if I'm going to list out like a a couple of games, a couple of games, can you tell me if they're S tier games, if they're A tier games? And then collectively, can we decide like if the studio is like, if the studio or at least like the company that released these games are, maybe we should do it like this. If the system that these games on had like an S tier year. Like, did Nintendo, did Sony, did Xbox have, what kind of year did they have? And then maybe we can collectively decide if 2022 was a good year for single-player gamers, you know? That sounds good. All right, so God of War, is it an S-tier game? Most definitely. Okay, so for audio listeners, when I say S-tier, that's like the cream, that's like a 10 out of 10. So like S-tier, A-tier, B, C, D, F. You know, like we're doing just like, just like your your grades at school, you know, like you don't want to get an F, but you want to go a higher note than A tier. We're not Ivy League here, so we're not doing A plus. We're doing we're going S tier, like Metal Gear Solid type shit, by the way. So S tier is like the cream that rose to the top. So Elden Ring, at what grade would you give it? Almost uh, definitely giving that an S. <laughs> okay, okay. Stray. Stray. I'm going to give it. And A, and oh. the, only, the only reason it's not S tier is because it's a very short experience. So I love the fact that you're in a perspective of a cat. Like it's 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 so <laughs> it's so left field. It's like we're getting a cat game. What is this about? But they have those like little small interactions in the game that doesn't really mean much. Like doing typical cat stuff, knocking stuff off the table, or you know, like doing those like little stretch animations. Every little quality of a cat, I feel like they had down packed, but it was just a little bit too short. And I feel like with the popularity of Stray, the next entry is going to be even better. Like. If, as long as they build upon that system they have, it has the potential to, you know, be an S-tier game. I'm not expecting to be, you know, 30, 40 hours long, anything like that. But I feel like you can run through that in a in small enough. Yeah, just in the afternoon. And you're like, oh, that, you know, that was, you know, that was, that was adorable. You know, I, I enjoyed that little small experience. But those little attention to details, just because they spent so little, like little time investing into like a 12 hour story. I feel like they were able to nail 
that environment, the vibe to it, the lighting, the aesthetics, everything was just really polished. And yeah, the next entry should be even better. Okay, okay. Vampire Survivor. Vampire Survivor. You know, I've started playing it within the last couple months. Okay. And it's really addicting. It's really (laughs) addicting. (laughs) Because at first, like, with me looking at it from afar, just looking at screenshots of gameplay, it's kind of like, oh, okay, the style isn't that really intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. But actually seeing it, like, in person, getting to hold it, it, it's just like, whoa, I can go through this in like, you know, 10, 15 minute settings just if I need to play something really quick on the go. And you get that little satisfaction if you like completed a run that was like way longer than your last. And now you have those permanent upgrades that you can invest in to get a better run the next time. That system gets me every single time because like my favorite, my favorite indie game is Dead Cells. Oh, of all time, that's your like favorite indie game of all time. I feel like I feel like it's number one. I don't oh. think, I, man, I I could talk about DSL for days. So I'm I'm happy that we got some more DLC coming that was announced at the Game Awards. Castlevania, uh, yes, sir. But yes, I love Dead Cells and any game that can kind of perfect that formula. It gets me so it's it's so good. I mean, ah, I'm gonna just have to give it. Oof, I may give I may give it an A. I'm gonna give okay, it an that's a. not bad. A, a is not bad. A. a is not bad. I mean, in school, we would we fought it hard for A. So I'm like, A is nothing to sneeze at. Yes, for sure. But yeah, Vampire Survivor is a great game. And again, shout out to Game Pass for giving me the ability to play it. You know, <laughs> so that's, that's what we pay for to play these great games. And I probably wouldn't have given it a try if I didn't have access to Game Pass. So definitely oh, for sure not. kudos to them. But Vampire Survivor is a great game. Okay, okay. Let me know if you haven't played any of these games. You can say omit or like, I haven't played it. We'll, we'll move on. So like gotcha. Kirby in the Forgotten Land. So Kirby, I haven't had a chance to play. Okay. But from what I saw, uh, I don't know. I can't really, I can't say that I've heard too many people, you know, really given an in-depth, you know, conversation about it. I watched a couple of reviews, of course, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just don't know much about it that could like generate a grade. Okay, okay. That that makes good sense. That makes sense. Xenoblade. 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 That <laughs> Xenoblade is amazing. Like I actually started with the second Xenoblade. Okay. And, and fell in love with the franchise and started to go back and play some of the other ones. So I haven't finished Xenoblade. But it's very strong, in my opinion. Very strong. Okay. I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We'll um, we'll save your grade for when you beat it, then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, Saints Row. Saints Row. Oof. If I had to give it a grade, I'm sorry. It's gonna have to be. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a C minus. Oh, okay. You're still giving a passing grade. I'm gonna give it a slight passing grade okay. just because it, it's it's definitely on the borderline of a D. Don't I, get me wrong. I am a little bit of a harsher critic, too, it would seem, because I am yeah. I'm firmly in that D D category. Yeah, but it, it's it's definitely a C minus for me, only because I really enjoyed the customization in that game. Oh, it's phenomenal. I, it's and, it's so vast, like from clothing options. You can buy them and it's not like 
once you buy it, you can pretty much just go really in depth with the color schemes. You can pretty much match anything you want to. And you can even go weird and use those crazy textures that you pick up throughout the map. <laughs> that is the most fun out of that game for sure. It brought back a couple of the OG activities, not too much, but I really feel like those ventures in the game were rinse and repeat. And it, it was really like, it felt like, like a chore. Yeah, yeah. Like it felt like a chore to finish a lot of those ventures. Didn't really care much for the story. Like if you like that type of comedy, you can potentially like, you know, cackle at a, at a couple moments. But I feel like it lost that Saints Row identity, especially with going safe with a few things. But they still promise some type of expansion. Uh-huh. They put out a recent, a recent patch that supposedly fixed like over 200 200 things or whatever. And I, when I went back to it, I did see some improvements. Uh, it could get the cyberpunk treatment to where they fix it up and they come out with an expansion and people fell in love with it again because like edge runners and everything for cyberpunk really helped out with people getting back into the game and people are starting to like really love it again. And I feel like Saints Row, although the, you can't really do much for the story at this point, it can at least have room for improvement if the expansion ends up being good so i wouldn't say i would just put it down all together for good like i wouldn't mind trying the expansion if all the patches are you know in place and it's smooth and if they can like throw a couple jokes in there about how bad the release was <laughs> you may have me there but i'm giving it a c minus just because i'm waiting for the full experience to come out with that expansion but if that's terrible then it's probably going to go down to the d is this expansion still going to come out from because like from what I've heard um, and like the news has come out recently that the Saints Row reboot developers is now part of the Borderlands Gearbox team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so, a great, that's a good question. So so I don't know if they're going to do the expansion. I, I don't think it's with CD Projekt Red. I feel like they have so much invested into that IP of Cyberpunk and trying to like revitalize cyber, Cyberpunk. But I don't feel like, you know, Epic Games are like, I don't feel like Board, like Gearbox feels the same way about Saints Row. Like, I don't necessarily know. Like, there comes a time where you look at an IP and you're like, do you want to still pour money into it? Or do you look at the IP like and say like, this is the end of the road for that IP? And Got I think you. Gearbox might be looking at the end of the road for Saints Row. Okay. Well, if your suspicions is correct, then they don't get that expansion I can comfortably say it's a D. I okay. Say, <laughs> I, I was holding out hope and it, you know that the expansion would make it just a little bit better. But honestly, the the gameplay and the wacky weapons and the co-op really helped me get through that game. And that's kind of why I got to see minus at first. But if that expansion is not coming out, you may be sitting at a D. I understand. And I hope to be wrong, but, you know, like with that story that came out about like them being swallowed up into basically the, the Borderlands team at this point, it's like, I don't think you swallow up a team and then put out oh, like content. I think that is basically them saying like, hey, that didn't work. We're not doing that again, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, you never know. Like, I have a feeling like we're now reaching a new generation of games to where like, some of these IP that we felt like were cornerstone IPs in the gaming industry won't be there anymore. Like, I have a strong suspicion, like, we've seen the last of Watch Dogs. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of hate that it went that way because for me, 
it went like watch the first Watch Dogs. It was a little bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Two is definitely my favorite one. I love uh, two. Out of those. I like I really two is amazing. Two. two is so great. And then with Legion, they try to go too big with the you can play as any NPC, and that left a lot of character out of the game because mm-hmm. the most important person is the protagonist. And oh, yeah. if you're just anybody, and you're then it doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like there was any development within the story. So Legion definitely was a setback. And I just, I, I don't see them going back to that franchise either. But two, if they would have continued with that that formula, I would even, I wouldn't even mind seeing a sequel, you know, with that protagonist in there. Was his I, name Marcus, I think? Yeah, it, it was mm-hmm. It was Marcus. And I think his code name was like Retro or something like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Marcus was a... Very strong character, in my opinion. And um, uh, like the ending, the ending was okay, but I feel like that game was strong enough to develop like a sequel with those characters. I feel like they were very memorable. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, they should have just continued with that. But the whole, you can play as anybody. It's like, okay, Ooh. that that sounds nice on paper, but... <laughs> didn't turn out nice in real life. Didn't turn honest. out nice at all. Like that opening sequence was really cool. Mm-hmm. But but then that kind of just like set the grounds for everything else. Like as soon as it comes on, you're playing as a specific character. He has voice lines. He has a character, super spy, blah, blah, blah. And then towards the end of that segment, now you're playing as anybody. And then you're playing kinda, old lady construction yeah. worker. It was, it was, yeah, it was all over the it place. It just falls off completely mm-hmm. after that. And it's like, okay, do I even feel like finishing this story? What am I doing this for? What am I progressing to? So, yeah, man. Watch dogs. Oh, man. Yeah. What could have been? <laughs> what could have been? been? So, yeah, we talked about some of those. Um, Plague Tale. Did you get a chance to play that one this year? Plague Tale um, Requiem. So, actually, Plague Tale that entire series is a part of my backlog. Oh, okay. So you have heard, I've heard wonderful things about Plague Tale. And oh. that's what kind of got me excited, especially with everyone saying how good Rec Room was. And it really picks up as far as like, you know, now the story is established and now you get more action and all those big set sequences. So yeah, Plague Tale is definitely in my list of games to play. And it may be getting played soon because I've been clearing out my backlog for sure. So okay, okay, I'm gonna try to get both games in before all these crazy games start to drop, like in February, March, in 2023, because it's looking pretty stacked. So. Oh my goodness, it really is. It I need really to is. slide both those games in. It really is. So we kind of, you know, like we kind of went over all the major games um, on the triple A side, and then like on the double A side, you, I mean, on the indie side, we also have like Cult of the Lamb. Did you get a chance to play that one? Yes, <laughs> Cult of the <laughs> Lamb is definitely one of my favorite indies of the year. Again, it follows that that formula as like you can hop in, you can do a couple runs for about 10, 20 minutes, and you can come back to base and build up your following, all your little cult followers. It has a lot of charm. The The soundtrack is amazing. I love like, the soundtrack. Oh my God, the OST. It's like, I, w- I would hop in to play it just to listen to those tracks. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, it, it has so much charm, has so much story. And um, didn't they say that the Cult of the Lamb was getting like a little little mini series or something like that? Yeah, that's why I, yeah. I heard. I, I wonder how that's going to turn out. I, I'm hoping for good things with that. Yeah, for sure. But if I had to rate a cult of the lamb, that that would probably go into S tier for me for sure. Okay, okay. So so based on all the games we saw so far, it looks like you're leaning a lot more towards the 
a uh, like AMS tier side of the fence. You know, you did have a couple of games that felt like they were kind of lackluster. So a pretty strong year for games, you know. Yep, yep. I feel like it was strong. It was just, yeah, that Saints Row conversation that definitely uh, <laughs> took down our average, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pretty strong list again, like a pretty strong grade overall, though. So what out of like all the games you played, you played tons of single player games this year. What are the five single player games that you'd recommend to other single player gamers that came out this year? Mm, so they came out this year. I would definitely encourage people to pick up Elden Ring. Okay. Um, it's no secret that that game had the entire world in the chokehold, man. Like, <laughs> and like, and I'm I'm definitely not mad at it. You know, winning Game of the Year because it definitely deserved it at the um, Game Awards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, fun fact: Elden Ring was probably the first like Dark Souls s game that I've beaten. Like, I've tried Bloodborne, and I think like one of the Dark Souls games, but I don't know what tempted me to go into this genre and give it a try again but Elden Ring just started off so strong for me and like once I got the mechanics down I started playing through it and then a couple of my friends bought it and it's like you want me to hop in your game so I can take you through it and just us uh, as a collective talking about the hardest bosses and what we did to kind of beat them or you know did you cheese them did you get did you have help and all that? like, like <laughs> what was your method so i can beat this boss and uh i just had a great time with it and it actually encouraged me to try out more of those games like like i want to try Sekiro now now that i played elden ring so it's like it was definitely the game that gets you into that mind state of dealing with those type of games because it can be frustrating for a lot of people. But whatever it did to catch me, I feel like it happened to the rest of the world. People that never cared about Dark Souls games kind of hopped on this one. And I knew it was a strong game when my wife was paying attention to it because my wife isn't a gamer, but mm-hmm. there, there are certain games that, that she sees me plays and it just captures her attention. So whenever that happens, I'm like, oh, this game may, might be a banger because my wife never looks at me playing some of these <laughs> games. <laughs> but for some reason, anytime I hopped on, she was right on the side of me looking at it, being intrigued by like the character designs and the monsters and the boss battles. And yeah, I mean, it was just a fun time just experiencing that and talking to my friends and everybody got to play it. And okay. yeah, man, I mean, phew, Elden Ring. Definitely, if you haven't played that, you have been living under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, other than that, definitely God of War Ragnarok. It's definitely, it's definitely the one of the top games of the year. That 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 goes without saying. And if it's not your game of the year, it's most definitely in your top three. I'm still in the middle of beating. I'm close to the end, and it's safe to say that it may. Maybe my game of the year, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Um, but you're loving what you're playing so far. I'm loving every second of it. I mean, I, I can't I can't express that enough. But yeah, like those two games, I definitely urge people to play Sifu. Um, oh, yeah. Sifu was great. Like it has that element of difficulty. But I think in one of the more recent updates, they put like a easy difficulty so so yeah so yeah that that definitely can uh, urge more people to play it if you're not into those games that can stress you out because every time you die you, you look up and you're 70 years old but <laughs> but uh yeah sifu uh, it's a smaller experience and i feel like that's easy to digest for people not looking for those big huge 
you know, 60 to 100 hour games like God of War and Elden Ring. It's more on a smaller scale. And it's one of those things where like the controls are easy to pick up, but it can be hard to master when it comes to countering certain enemies and bosses. And once you get those patterns down, it's so gratifying that you can make it through a level that you've been struggling on for the last couple of days and you finally beat it. Uh, you can always go back and play it to get a better score and things like that. It brings back that element of uh, replayability. And uh, yeah, Seafood is definitely one of the stronger titles of the year. Number four, I'm going to go with, I'm going to say Horizon. Definitely, That's definitely a good try Horizon mm-hmm. Forbidden West. That's another one of the games that I reviewed on my channel. And it got a strong score, and I urge everybody to pick it up as soon as they can. <laughs> so I'm honestly bummed that a lot of people don't pay more attention to the Horizon franchise, but I feel like that's due in part of a release schedule. Yeah, that, that release schedule, because unfortunately, Horizon Forbidden West got buried under Elden Ring. And then when Zero Dawn came out, it got buried by Zelda. Breath so, of the Wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. So as long as they can get their release schedule down packed, I feel like there will be a lot more eyes on those games. And with the third one, I feel like you have to go out with a bang if they're planning on that being like the end of a trilogy. They really need just a segment of release schedule to themselves so everybody can kind of hone in on it and play it before like the next big game comes out. But uh, stop releasing towards these big titles. I mean, it's it's not like the small ones. It's not like, oh, this could be competition. You're releasing towards loved franchises, Zelda, from software games. Like, oh, uh, like I, I just want them to have a really big window to shine. And so people can really get get into it with that story and the lore because it's another one of those games like The Witcher to where you can talk to side characters. The side quests feel meaningful because like the camera angles talking to that don't feel really lived in instead of like a generic NPC that looks like everybody else. If you need more information about the, the lore, you have optional dialogue trees and just tons and tons of content that you can run through. And I can't, I can't praise Horizon enough. Like it's a very sound game. It comes out polished. It's beautiful. I wouldn't, I can't see you not playing that this year. It's one of those sleeper titles again, just because it keeps getting buried. But if you take the time to sit through both of those games. Oh, it's beautiful. The story is exciting. It's, it's emotional in some points. And the action pieces are pretty great, in my opinion. Only thing they need to do for Horizon for me is they need to get the fighting system down to where it feels like you're fighting one of those bigger machines. And then when it comes to the humanoid enemies, that should be like its own kind of separate fighting system. They, they did a lot better with this game, giving us like little combos that can only work with the human enemies. But mm-hmm. it still feels just a little bit off. And I feel like with three, they can really perfect that feel of fighting humans versus the actual machines. But other than all of that, Definitely pick up Horizon if you haven't played that this year. Great game. Um, I understand that criticism. I um I'm right there with you. Like I don't think they've quite nailed the melee combat at all. Because like I think one of the big complaints for me and a lot of the other people who reviewed this game is like I don't like the melee like pits to where they they challenge you to do those different melee combos. 
I don't think mm-hmm. those are done really well. And I don't think it's a good system in the game. So stuff that highlights a bad something that's a bad feature is often like even a worse thing because it's high it's bringing like emphasis on something that most people didn't connect with. But so I do think they need to refine that element of combat a bit. Yep, yep, for sure. And I think for the last one, hmm, I think I may, since we brought it up, I may go with Kotha the Lamb. I think that's a great, another small game that you can just pick up and play and have some fun with it. You no, know, we, I got a good mix of, you know, those bigger experiences that you should play this year along with the smaller ones like Sifu. I definitely encourage people to pick up Cult of the Lamb just because, you know, it's, it's not too much on your pockets. It's not really time consuming. You know, it's, it's nothing that you can really, you know, sit down and play hours and hours of like that whole little system they have down packed. It's, it's just such a great game. And I think it's available on most systems. Uh, I think every single one of them. Yeah, I think every single system. And uh, it's just a great small experience along with Sifu just hopping in there, playing a couple of levels, hopping off and seeing your little following grow and your settlement growing. It's like part roguelike, part part like eh, life sim almost where you're like building up this settlement and expanding your your following into like a little community. It's, it's a good mix <laughs> of both. But man, it, it just has so much charm to it. I can't praise that game enough. So yeah, Cult of the Lamb. Yeah, I love Cult of the Lamb. It is one of the few games that I looked at and I was I always just crack a smile because like something is either ratchetly wrong in my like in my like cult or like everything is going right, but I feel bad because it's going right because like <laughs> I because like I'm like I like I shouldn't be making these people like to eat like grassy green, like basically grass. Like grass yeah. are like the equivalent of salads. I was like, I don't even like eating salads in real life, but yet I got these people like happy they have to eat it. <laughs> and then I was like, I just threw my like my boy Rodney in jail because he's acting ass. So like, I right, feel so right. bad about it. And it is like, you've been a follower of mine for some time, but I'm going to have to sacrifice you for the betterment of the camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, man, you've done me well for like all 70 years that you've been alive. But, you know, like you ain't doing what you've been doing. And I got to get my like, I got to get to the next level. So off you go, like off with your head, so to speak. I got to sacrifice you. It's crazy, man. I, I love it. I think it's a, such a unique like blend of that life sim with like its own cute aesthetic with like a creepy kind of like lore mixed in with like a really fun roguelike gameplay. I, I just, it, before, before like all these games came out towards the back half of the year, it was right amongst my, probably like my top three games of the year, like contenders. It's just, it's still in the top 10, probably. I'll, I'll like give out that list soon on the, the podcast. But like that is such a good game. I cannot recommend Cult of the Lamb enough. Yes, sir. We stand Cult of the Lamb over here. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Get over here! So, Tego, I got... We reached the segment of the show where like it is the most fearsome segment of the show. Like many people do not survive. Some people like get swallowed up by the abyss that is the trauma that goes with this segment of the show. But I got to ask you, are you ready? I am sort of ready. Okay, okay. As as the game Triple H once said, are you ready? I'm ready. I am ready. Okay, Uh, you you hyped it up. You let me know now. 
on the spot. Let's do it. I'm ready for whatever you got to throw at me. Okay, okay. So, like, you got to bring your A game. As Kratos once said, you you can't just be good. You have to be better. So, like, this is the best of the best. You have to bring your ultimate A game to this. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Are You a Pro Nerd? The trivia question a portion of the show where we ask just random trivia questions, with five of them, as a matter of fact, in five different areas of nerddom. And we see if our guest is up to the snuff. Can, will he be crowned or she be crowned a pro nerd? Or will they succumb to the inevitable pressures? And we just see how far they can get if they can get, you know, like four out of the five questions, or right, three out of the five, two out of the five, or one of the five. So far, our record on the show is three. We've gotten a person who's gotten three out of the five correct. Will that record be broken? Will we get a new champion today? Will we get a crowned champion of the pro nerd nation here? So let's see. Tega, you have five different topics. They're all in different categories of nerddom. How do you feel about all this? Whew. I will say what I love to indulge in. I can be very detailed. But on the other spectrum, if I'm not interested in that fandom or whatever it is, I am probably completely oblivious to it. <laughs> so it can be, I can be very hot and cold on certain subjects, but, you know, I'm confident, you know, I, I, I want to get a couple in, you know, I, I hopefully I get all of them right. But, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, cocky. I'm just going to be humble, relaxed, breathe in, breathe out and give my best answer. Okay. So. The rules of the, the pro nerd trivia question are as follows. You are not allowed usage of your cell phone or, or the Google. You have to, you can think about the question for a little bit, but please do not take it too much time because, you know, people do get skeptical about whether or not you're looking up these said answers. So you do have a, a slight time limit. Your, the answer to all the questions that you missed will be unveiled at the end. And, you know, like, have fun. Like, you know, this is a serious, serious moment in your life, but I want you to have fun. Do not be too stressed about it. We do have a, we do have the the medical personnel on standby in case you do succumb to the pressure like many, many before have. But it is okay. I, I want you to know, like, this can make or break you as a person, but it shouldn't. Okay? Okay, let me grab my towel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the first question comes from the world of DC Comics. In the world of DC Comics, how familiar are you with DC Comics, by the way? As far as actual comic accurate things, uh, I can be old enough. I did like like the Batman Who Smiles and the Flash series and things like that. So if I can if I can nail those around top of the head, I'll be pretty confident. <laughs> I love, okay. I love the TV shows. I uh, really love the animated, uh, the animated shows. So let's hope that carries me. Okay. Okay. Luckily, the hero that we're focusing on is Batman indeed. Okay, so okay. in DC Comics, in the Batman verse, there's a character named the Mad Hatter. He is a Batman villain. What is his last name? Ooh, um, oh God. So I <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to act like I know this off the top of my head at all, but I'm going to go with Tetch. Is that how you pronounce it? Ladies and gentlemen, he got it correct. He Let's got go. it correct. <laughs> Let's go. He got it correct. That was, that was a really good pull. I, I'm Ooh. very impressed. 
wipes my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next question is in the realm of Disney. How familiar are you with uh, the property of Disney? As in like childhood TV shows, I definitely indulged in most of those, you know, Aladdin and Lion King, you know, all, all the classics that, that we grew up with for the most part. And, you know, now that Disney's gobbling up everything, you know, you can kind of say that Marvel and Star Wars and everything is a part of all that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I enjoy Disney properties. Okay, okay. Let's see. Let's see if how if you can pull the answers from this category then. So in the realm of Disney, there's a character called Chip. Chip is a cup in which Disney movie? Uh, Chip is a cup. <sighs> mm. uh, yeah, honestly, that, I don't know. It, it, something is ringing the bell, but I can't. I, I, I don't know. Are you yeah. tapping out? I'm afraid I may, I may tap out. All right, all right. So we have officially the first strike, the, the first miss. He's gotten one of the five questions correct, though. So, I mean, you're doing good. You're doing good. Okay, okay. It's all right. We, we, we all take an L every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Our mutual acquaintance known as, you know, the Gemini Dragon got two questions correct. You, do you think you're going to get more than him? Mm, Gemini got two? Oh, man. This must be some really specific questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Gemini? I'm coming for your neck. If you got two I need to at least get three. Let's raise the stakes. <laughs> all right. All right. So in the world of Harry Potter, Harry Potter, how familiar are you with Harry Potter? Though? So I have watched all of the movies. I'm not too heavy on the books. My wife is a diehard Harry Potter fan. So I kind of catch it when she has it on or when she's talking about it. But as far as my investment, it's kind of low, but I, I definitely enjoy the Harry Potter series. Is your wife going to be sadly disappointed if you miss this question? She probably will be. <laughs> all right. All right. After this is over, I, I need you to ask her this said question and see how quickly she answers it. For sure. All right. So in the world of Harry Potter, he is said to be a half giant and he's incredibly fond of strange creatures. What is his name? Ooh. Sheesh. You know what? This may be one of her favorite characters. I'm going to go with Hagrid. Ladies and gentlemen, he did get two correct. Come on, let's <laughs> two go. Correct. My wife will not divorce me, thank you. No, for sure not. <laughs> for sure not. You're represented well. So, so far you've gotten, you know, you did two out of three questions so that you've gotten correct. You did really well so far. How are you feeling about this? You know what? Those two, I feel good about myself. You know, I'm not at zero. So at least I got some points on the board, but we go keep scoring. All right, all right. So, in the world of Marvel, are you familiar with uh, with the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Marvel Universe in general? Oh yeah, I've watched every MCU movie. I adore that franchise a lot. So I'm gonna beat myself up if this question doesn't hit with me. But yes, I am. Very familiar with the Marvel franchise. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, this is not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, though. Okay, okay. This is just a general Marvel question. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a character, and I'm going to name said character, and you're going to name what team he is associated with. So, what team is the Blob associated with? The Blob. Oh, we're going to go with... Oh, well, no, he's an adversary. 
of the X-Men. Is he a part of, um, oof, I'm thinking of Secret Empire. Is that your answer? I'm going to go with Secret Empire. We're looking for the primary team the Blob is associated with, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, he got that one incorrect. Ah. Yeah, that was it. Was a deep pool. It was a deep yeah. Pool. It, it was a deep pool. It was a deep pool. Yeah. Do not feel ashamed about that. So I got for the last question. I have two different topics, and for question number five, uh, you can go with like topic number A or topic number B. Which topic would you like to go with? A or B? Hmm. Let's do B. B, okay. This topic is in the world of pro wrestling. Let's go. All right. Are you familiar with the world of pro wrestling? Yes. Uh, I love the WWE, especially since Triple H took over. It has been amazing to sit back and watch these stories unfold. So WWE is what I watch primarily. But when it gets into like the AEW type conversations. I don't follow that as much. So as long as it's in the realm of WWE or, you know, WCW, stuff like that, I may have a good chance of getting this right. All right. Well, at WrestleMania 20 XX, there was a character by the name of Bill Goldberg who beat a legendary figure known as the Beast Incarnate. The next big thing, the man, the myth, the legend, he is a former UFC heavyweight champion named Brock Lesnar with the superstar acting as the guest referee for their match. Who was the guest referee for Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 20? Okay. Let me pull. Let me pull. The guest referee was none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ladies and gentlemen, he got it correct. He got to the three marker. Let's he got three go. questions correct. So he has tied for the first place spot. How do you feel? I feel really good. Okay, that, that, that last one, I was going to upset my pops if I didn't get that right because he's the one that got me into my love for wrestling and we have watched documentaries on top of documentaries and just playing back old pay-per-views that we love so much, man. And that's that's one of the primary ways that me and him bond. Uh, so wrestling will, will, will always have a very special spot in my, my heart because that's me and me and my pops talk about that on a weekly basis. Whenever we watch Raw, SmackDown, uh, watch a big pay-per-view, we're the first people that we contact. And actually, for Thanksgiving, I went back to my hometown and I got to watch Survivor Series war games with them in person uh, for the first time in like two years because I moved out of town. Uh, so that was a really special moment of us sitting down, get to catch up and watch wrestling during like Thanksgiving break. It, it just couldn't have landed at a better time. But yes, I feel good. I beat Gemini, so now I can go and brag to him so he can go back and try again. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that's my bro. Shout out to him. I'm sure that he gave his best effort, but there's a new champion here. Well, I'm, I'm tied with someone, but I can go talk with Mike and tell him how I did. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So out of curiosity, you know, like, do you want to know what the topic of the category A was? Yes. It was in the realm of video games. Okay. How well do you think you would have done with that kind of question? 
Well, I would hope very good. <laughs> we love our single player games and our games in general. So depending on the topic, I probably would have felt pretty strong about it. Okay, okay. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Just for fun. What was the first console released by Nintendo in the new millennium? First console. Ooh. So it wasn't the 64, was it? Uh, you know what? I'm glad we went with uh, WWE because <laughs> my memory's fading a little bit because like I said, I was born in 95, so it's okay. kind of blurred. It's kind of blurred about like when something like actually launched uh, versus mm-hmm. me actually having it. But if I had to go out on a limb and say it, I'll go with GameCube. You would have been correct. You would have mm. been correct. <laughs> you still would have got the three out of five. Mm, okay, okay. Pat's on the back. You know, I, I feel good about that. Then I, I'll count that in the back of my head as a as a win too. So <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So Tega, like, it's been like really fun having you on the show. I've really been enjoying talking to you. You did really well in the pro nerd trivia question. Before we go though, where can the good people find you? Uh, you can find me. On YouTube, primarily. So if you want me to look up me, it would be on Tega O3C. So T-E-G-A O3C. And that's how you can find most of my platforms. Uh, I'm on Twitter a lot of the time. On YouTube, I'm on TikTok. Uh, just pushing out content, reviews, news, funny gameplay moments. But yeah, yeah, definitely find me on YouTube and subscribe. And I appreciate anybody that comes down and just give me a try. Also. You can find me within the Melanated Gamers group. I am a mod there, along with that great, wonderful group. Uh, we have high engagement, uh, a lot of good people. And that's where I actually found my good friend, Gemini. Once he joined, I mean, his personality is infectious, man. Like, he talks to everybody. And so you're most likely going to see him all throughout that platform. So definitely shout out to him. Definitely a good dude. And uh, yep, yeah, find me creating content on all these platforms and also find me at MG on Facebook if you want to join. All right, all right. So, Tega, like, it's been very fun having you on the show. But do you want to have, like, any final words that you want to give everyone? Any, like, motivating words? Do you want to give a motivating speech? Do you want to shout out anything out? Anything you've been doing lately? you like, any final yeah. words for that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, So, first and foremost, I definitely... Appreciate you, Sebastian, for uh, having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure, you know, getting to meet you and finally making it on the podcast. And I hope we have many more episodes down the road. As far as like parting words, at the end of the day, no matter how you feel about how this year went for gaming, I just really hope that you found something that you really love this 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 year. Because I know a lot of stuff got pushed back because of COVID. But at the end of the day, I know we can take things pretty serious. But we're all come together for the love for games. And I just hope you just form many more friendships from it because that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's all about having fun, play games, take care of your family, and live well. Peace and prosperity. What? Whoa, 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 man. You dropping some dimes here. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But yeah, you ain't got to hope. We're going to have you back on the show really soon. We're going to have to do like a deep dive into all the latest and greatest in games and game reviews. So you know, like you're a part of the pro nerd fam and uh, I would be honored to have you back on the show. So we're going to have you back on the show really soon. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you once again. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely many more to come. You heard it here first. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, this has been all the time we have for this episode. Tega, thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll let you later. Later. Peace. Peace. That's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Tega for being on the show today. I want to also remind you if you want me or my community of gamers to give you feedback on your video game backlog list, then join us in the single player experience discord server. Once you're in, feel free to share your backlog list or talk about good single player game experiences that you've had lately. The link to join the free single player experience discord server is in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe and keep gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace.